Welcome to Sober Ventures, the podcast that brings together inspiring entrepreneurs combining the worlds of recovery and business. My name is Will Bradwell, and I will be your host. Each week, we feature a discussion with a guest that has made a new life for themselves in their sobriety. No matter where you are on your journey of recovery, it is my sincere hope that you can take some of the lessons shared and apply them in your life so you can see all that is possible when we tackle our addictions and turn that energy into something positive and productive. So, let's get started. So, I'm talking with Sheba P of uh, the Sober Divas Movement. Uh, It's an Instagram page with currently over 3,300 followers. And it's a beautiful page full of great inspiration and, and full of positivity. So I'm speaking with Sheba today. And so tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, Sheba P. Uh, well, um, I'm a person in the long-term recovery. I have to start off like that. Um, I've been sober since May the 20th, 2005. So that'll be 12 years of this year. Um, and... Basically, my story of recovery is kind of based on me being lost from when I probably say around 10 years old <laughs> until I got sober. <laughs> um, I was an only child, broken home, and I was one of those kids that was teased horribly for years hmm. in school, right? Uh, I consider that to be, you know, not at some huge level of trauma, but trauma enough for my constitution where I couldn't take it mm-hmm. um, for a long enough time where I just lost all self-esteem and all real uh, uh, excitement about myself in terms of what I can do. Um, the thing that I try to do in my, you know, ministry or my work is to help women understand their worth understand that the things they wanted to do when they were little or when they were 12 or what they want to do now is possible because they're very talented, right? And I now know that I was very talented the entire time, but I didn't know that at all. <laughs> and so I sort of let people lead me to what they wanted me to do in my life. Um, I didn't start drinking until I was quite a much, quite much older. I didn't rebel at all, actually. Elementary school, high school, college, none of that. I literally did whatever my family and people around me told me to do, uh, which means that I graduated from college having the IT degree that I have because somebody said I needed to do that. My family said I needed to do that. And then I moved to Philadelphia and lost my friggin' mind. Like, I had never actually rebelled at all, right? Hmm. I had never figured out well, I've never been able to actually do the things that I wanted to do. They were in my head, hmm. you know, but I hadn't actually been able to to have, shoot, I didn't really date outside of stuff that looked like it would be productive toward my career and my future, to be hmm. quite honest, you know? So at like 23, I moved to Philadelphia, and I have this fabulous job. I'm working for a, 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 a IT consulting firm, so they're flying me back and forth to different different places, and I'm making extra, extra good money and per diem and all that kind of stuff. And the only thing I've actually ever achieved or felt proud of was the fact that I got this job. Hmm. That's pretty much it. And so all of a sudden, 2000 comes, and 
the IT bubble bursts, right? And I say about eight out of ten people I knew in my area in Philadelphia lost their job. Wow. Um, right. But unfortunately, because I was the only thing I had to find in me, I worked so hard my whole life to be this thing, and I I didn't believe I was attractive. I didn't believe I was talented in any other way. Everything else was sort of, you know, me hoping someone will understand and let me sort of hang out with them because I don't believe anything good about myself, right? The job was the only thing I had left. Mm-hmm. I lost that, and I said, epic. And and I decided I was going to party because I had never partied. And so <laughs> I... uh I had already started drinking some with corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, like I said, I'm 19, so my partners and my managers, they all drank. Some of them did drugs, and we would go work all day and then stay up all night and drink. And they would use, and we'd have a wonderful time. And then after I, you know, lost the job, might as well uh, go ahead and, and continue having a good time. And that was the beginning of the dip. So I dipped on, you know, I started drinking, drinking very, very heavily. And between ages 23 up until I turned 30. Um, In that period of time, I was able to be functional in terms of my career for a good five or six years in there. Mm-hmm. But my life is losing, you know, balance altogether. Drinking every day, drinking in the morning. Drinking at lunch, drinking so I got off of work, you know, uh, mm-hmm. drinking all night and just sort of trying to come in and uh, move back to Detroit and bottom completely out. And I'm talking, I used to get flown in every week. And then in 2005, I was living above an abandoned commercial building next door to a uh, a liquor store across the three crack houses. Hmm. Right? So, now, I'm unemployable for the most part. My final job, and I hate that, my final job and my biggest resentment during that time was that I could move boxes at around 4 o'clock in the morning at this big outlet mall. Hmm. And the people working for the clothing store who were unpacking boxes for wouldn't let us eat lunch with them because we were the unpacker who we was a temp staff. Mm. And me and my resentful head was like, y'all don't know who I am. And, you know. Yep. yep. <laughs> let me go to the bathroom real quick and get a drink real quick, and I'll tell you who I am. Mm. And, you know. <laughs> so uh, uh, my, my, my trash can was all dressed up. Um, so... I, um, so around May 20th, 2005, or the 19th, 20th, um, in and out of consciousness, I'm not exactly sure all that happened, but the things I remember are that my really close friends from when I was little and high school and college, uh, who knew me as a very straight-laced good person, like, you know, and I was always a good person, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. straight-laced person, all kind of triangulated and called my mom. Mm who was in denial. <laughs> and she got herself together. They talked it out. And I woke up with the phone in my face and detox. Uh, <laughs> telling, you know, asking me those questions, you know, how much have you drank? And, you know, all the things that they have to ask to get permission from the actual client to go into detox. Hmm. And um, that day, uh, my mother dropped me off in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, which 
is a very uh, huge recovery community. Shout out to the Ann Arbor, right? <laughs> and we uh, started my process that day. I, I moved into what's called Dawn Fawn Spirit Central, which is a detox, a free detox um, in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for five days and then moved into a homeless shelter um, after that. Um, I had made too much money when I was working. So I was not allowed to be on an indigent list uh, past those first uh, five days. Hmm. Um, and I got a sponsor on my second day, and she informed me that I was homeless. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You know, my mom can. She's like, nope, you on your own, you yeah. are homeless, you're unemployable, and you're broke. And hmm. right, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I don't know why the miracle happened that day, but uh, I met my sponsor the first day. She came to see me the second day, and I guess you know that whole teachable moment. And I'm, I'm from the twelve step philosophy. That's how I got sober. So hmm. I had my sponsor. She strongly suggested that I go move to homeless shelter. And I was either going to do that or go home to my mom and have her become my treatment center, as it were. Mm-hmm. So I stayed. And by the grace of God, I haven't used since that day. Um, so wow. that's how, you know, my recovery process uh, started myself. Um, like I said, I'm a 12-stepper. Um, and I also am dual diagnosed. So I got diagnosed with anxiety disorder soon as I saw my first doctor uh, when I got to Ann Arbor, and then I got diagnosed ADHD by the grace of God in 2011, which was a whole different uh, moment of uh, elation, because now I knew what was going on with me, right? So, yeah. you know, my whole life I'm feeling crazy and different, and, and uh, lazy is the you know, the word you get when you're ADHD or unfocused or or, you know, can't yeah. concentrate or too, or hyper or something wrong with you type of thing. But when I realized I was ADHD, it was like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> you can work with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so, um, so that's my recovery story. I've been sober uh, for 12 years now. I've, like I said, um, in the uh, uh, 12-step community, sponsoring a bunch of people, um, Sponsoring uh, women and, and people in the LG and men in the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, and then in the last few years, transitioning into like working and recovery advocacy. So okay. that's my recovery. I don't know how much you want me to get into either that or to like how I ended up being in, you know, advocacy or what the deal is. So that's my recovery, you know story as it stands right now, you know what I mean? Because everything changes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an evolving story. You're not done yet with everything. You're still, you're still young in the program, yeah. <laughs> you got a long ways to go. Um, but yeah, that that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, a great story of what it was like and how you've kind of had to break down all the way to the bottom. You had your rock bottom moment and it, you're lucky that you had people around you that loved you and cared about you and found you the right place to go that and you were open to it and you were receptive to it and you didn't you didn't rebel against that which 
which is good about your upbringing. You you never really rebelled against much until you know you were kind of all out on your own, and it's kind of how I was too. I kind of grew up pretty straight laced and everything. I went away to college. I drank a little bit at parties, but it wasn't until I got, mm-hmm. got home. My parents moved away. Then I had like all the free time in the world. Then I could make all the bad friendships, all the things that were were no longer productive uh, to my growth. And and I guess it's maybe it's just part of growing up. You learn that that's not sustainable. That's not positive. It's not good for your potential. You kind of rediscover what you're actually able to do. Exactly. Well, and one thing I can say, and part of what I do with the Sober Divas is um, when I see somebody who has a teenager, you know, I don't have any children of my own, but say when I was at work, um, I would uh, see a woman who's upset because her child's turning 13, and that child is starting to say things and mm-hmm. they'll do things that the child doesn't like, and if, you know, mother doesn't like it, I'm like, good, she's rebelling. Please, you know, <laughs> control it. But understand that it's a really good thing that she is looking and finding out who she is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, make sure, you know, don't see her trying to go do drugs and alcohol and have sex with all kinds of people. I understand that's not what you want to have happen. But I didn't go through that. Like, I was so freaked out. And that's part of, you know, dual diagnosis. I was so freaked out about failure and so mm-hmm. freaked out about what people thought about me. I just decided not to rebel at all. And when I rebel, dude, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Once you have that freedom, you have no, you no longer have somebody like looking at you. You feel like you can do kind of whatever you want. There's no longer a consequence that's just like kind of built in by your environment, and especially when your environment is all saying that it's okay and it's normal and it's what everyone does, then it's easy to Absolutely. fall down that path and and just snowball into something bigger and lose sight of how it even started uh so uh-huh. until somebody comes out comes back and and re-enters your life with with sober eyes so to speak and and can give you a glimpse of what's possible on the other side so uh-huh. yeah indeed so all right so like how did you so after you recovered and how you like kind of started to get into recovery advocacy um, what kind of led you along that path? Was it like being a sponsor to other people and seeing there's a need for that and need to like kind of mm-hmm. spread the word more? Or how, well, how did you come into that? Okay, so first off, um, when I first got sober, um, I have, uh, like I said, I have a number of talents that I was not really uh, appreciating in myself. So one thing I do is sing. And mm-hmm. um, when I got into the homeless shelter, it's a, and it's a God thing, of course, but I got into the homeless shelter, and the guy who was the um, front desk guy, you know, security and then check-in guy at the homeless shelter, hmm. uh, came up to me one day because, you know, I'm at the homeless shelter. In order to keep myself sane, I go out on the smoke deck, and hmm. I would just sing to myself. Okay. Um, and I wasn't paying attention. I had the headphones hmm. in. Um, and so one day he goes, somebody told me you can sing. And I'm still grandiose, you know. I, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have, I, you know, I have big fake personality at this point, right? So I, mm. I can tell you how fly I am, right? Yep. So I'm gonna get up and sing, you know. <laughs> and so I sang a little for him, and he was impressed. And he said, "If you stay sober nine months, you can sing in my band." Huh. 
And my sober band. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was ready to get sober, but I have to admit, it was the it was the gig opportunity that was the carrot. Like you got to sit back there, like I could die, I could die, I could die. Mm-hmm. Right? If I don't get sober and safe, I'll die. But nine months ahead of me was literally being the lead vocalist in a band that tore around the state. Now, at recovery event, but still. Yeah, yeah, that's something. <laughs> uh, right? The, plan was, the, the, the band was called Primary Purpose, and there was another woman who was in recovery who was in charge. Who was, I'm sorry, it was the lead vocalist at the time. So when I had, like, three months sober, in Ann Arbor, they had this event that, that uh, uh, Cameron, the guy, he, uh, uh, founded called Soberfest. Okay. And it was basically a vehicle for all the treatment centers and stuff to go to this park where everybody usually got high at, you know, clear it out, get a good look going on, and have treatment centers come out to the tables, and then oh. the band called Primate Purpose would perform. So I'm, I'm excited, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, blues, rock, our old R&B band. Like, it's a whole soulful band kind of situation with the girl and slut and whatnot. Yeah. And so after I had nine months, he, you know, I had been sober for long enough, and he let me lead the band at one of those wonderful 12-step dances that we all go to when we first get sober, right? <laughs> and so I credit a lot of my sobriety, a lot of my recovery on being able to harness my talent, right? There was, that is what, if I had had my way, I probably would have tried to be, I would have been an entertainer, not tried to be. I would Mm. have been an entertainer had I known my own worth from way back. I was in dance and, you know, my whole family's in music and all this stuff when I was younger, but I did not know my worth at all. So over the years, whenever there was a time when things were not going well in my head about my own recovery, I always knew I could talk to my bandmates. I was, you know, there was someplace I could go wherein my talent and my recovery kind of met. Um, And so I first started advocating for people in that kind of vein by doing all these recovery recovery events as a sober band. The Noteworthy Soul Band, that's what we call ourselves, Noteworthy. <laughs> capital N, capital W, all one word. Right on. <laughs> so, um, so over time, it, it started to occur to me that one of the reasons why I stayed sober all the way through is because I had harnessed my talent. So, so uh, especially when I started to sponsor people in the LGBTQ community, because um, there's a ton of folks in that community for whom harnessing their talent helped them to stay sober. You know, long enough to get the steps in them or to get the therapy they need or get the medication they need. You know, being able to harness that talent while we waited for the miracle to happen was yeah. essential. So that is why I decided to go sort of like in the sober diva path um, mm-hmm. was because I see all these people around me with all these talents. And it's not just seeing talent, all manner of skills and talent. And it distracted me. My talent distracted me from wanting to 
not do my sobriety as the miracle was happening. Hmm. You know, um, it, it was, and it's, you know, it's a weird thing. I mean, now there, are, there are organizations like that all over the country now in terms of musicians and writers and painters and things of that nature mm-hmm. um, that I found out about. Well, they've all come out around in the last few years as a whole recovery advocacy thing has started to move, you know, as, you know, recovery rather than just addiction and sobriety. So there's, you know, recovery unplugged and all the things like that. But what I saw was that, you know, what was missing in my mind was a place for everybody to have a ball and express <laughs> themselves while they're waiting for that thing to happen, while they're waiting for the miracle to happen. Because we're not all ready to go yet. You know, Steven Tyler's doing his thing. You know, like everybody's out there doing their thing. Uh, uh, Mary J. Blige, uh, you know, they're all ready out there having their talented time. Mm -hmm. But I say so partially because after nine months, I got to sing in front of a band. Um, So that's how I sort of started looking at... uh, 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 the sober dealer movement, because the thought process behind the sober dealer movement is uh, self-actualization, right? So, mm-hmm. letting, in my case, because I, you know, I try to get a small enough amount of uh, focus so I could actually do it, <laughs> um, would be on helping uh, talented women see who they were as people, love themselves, uh, continue their recovery, and you know, understand that they can use their talent like they've always wanted to. So that's where that came from. Um, and during these time, times, once I realized I was ADHD, I was able to go back to school, so I felt good about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, instead of feeling that I was so scared to try to write a paper mm. uh, because I figured I was just dumb, which is hilarious to be a, a high, high-flying IT professional who thinks she's stupid, but that's true. Um, so I went back to school and started working toward my degree in addiction counseling. Okay. And then... Uh, so as of now, I am uh, working as a peer recovery coach. Okay. Uh, still, you know, still working on my degree or whatever. So now it's all sort of coming around, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm no longer doing IT except for when it comes to the sober evil movement. Um, so that's yeah, that's that's how that started up in terms of the idea for it was just that it it was very essential that I increased my self-esteem as I worked on, my self-efficacy as it were, as okay. I was working on getting things over. So. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Like when you kind of step back from it and see, like, I mean, me personally, like so much of my self-esteem was ended up being wrapped up in just drinking to get some self-confidence in order to talk to other people. And then once... Once I stripped that away, then I realized I had, I didn't really have anything else to talk to anybody about. So I, yes. <laughs> I haven't been to any 12 step meetings. I'm not a part of AA or anything. I ended up kind of doing it on my own with, uh, basically my wife and her whole family is, is sober. They've never drank. Ah, cool. So, so I have a, a good, good home base there that, that supports and, uh-huh. and gives me good accountability and keeps me honest, uh, in myself there. But outside of that, like with any of my other friendships, I realized so much of it was just built on just drinking together. There wasn't anything that I had. 
an old passion about that ever really came back up in my everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. I had my own business that I was like running our, my family's tropical fish farm. I would maintain the website. Wow. I would do a few little things here and there, but all of like my passions from when I was growing up and like just learning things and doing all that kind of stuff, all that extra time was spent drinking, going out to parties, doing whatever drugs any mm-hmm. other friends had that sounded interesting. Um, mm-hmm. just so much that, that, that self-esteem was all wrapped up in there. So once I got sober, I was like, well, what, what do you do when you don't have that? And, oh, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it, it's great that you had, you had a talent from when you were younger and you were able to just like start expressing and like realize and have other people see it in you that that was just laying dormant in there. It was just being maybe smothered by all the other substances and everything else that was going on in your life that once you take a step back and are able to breathe and, and start doing it, there's a way to incorporate that in your actual life that you don't think is possible when, especially like going through high school, college, you just get fed down this little narrow channel of, well, here's where the careers are. Here's where you're going to make your money. Here's where you're going to be doing this. Uh-huh. And, you, and everybody else that's working with you is drinking and all the time off. So you're thinking, okay, that's exactly. what I do. I work and I drink. And so that other stuff that I used to do, that was just kid stuff. That was just whatever. That was a waste of my time then. But once you are released from that and you realize that there's there's an audience out there for your talents. And well, and here's the funny part, right? Um, I was in Philadelphia the year starting about the year 2000. Hmm. And. I actually met a, a lot of people in the entertainment industry. Now, I always would sing and pray that people thought I could sing well. Hmm. And I tell you, I've met, okay, so Philadelphia in like, uh, 2000, year 2000 is when like the whole neo-soul thing was getting big. Okay. And so I was drunk and crazy acting around a lot of people who are quite important right now. Because hmm. uh, <laughs> on the year 2000, Jill Scott came out. Eric Badu was doing very well. But I was in Philadelphia with like music. Soul Child, The Roots, okay. uh, 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 Belial, all these big deal people, right? And hmm. I'm actually still Facebook friends and friends with a number of people who were like right next to them. So, huh. But my only concern was getting in with the club for $2, right? Or, yeah. uh <laughs> You know, so I was literally in the middle of the most fertile music situation I had ever seen in my life outside of Motown. Hmm. Uh, and I, 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 I've been drunk in front of Quest Love. I've been drunk in, in front of Bilal. I've been drunk in front of a whole bunch of people for whom, had I just been right, mm-hmm. <laughs> had I just not, you know, and I don't mean right like as in, Sober. I mean, as in, right as in, had some esteem for myself, right? Yeah, yeah. knowing knowing whole... who you were and knowing what you had to offer and knowing all those other things that now you do. Right, because there are people. The, the funny thing about the sober demons that I that I feature a lot on my channel is that a lot of them were in the middle of their their substance abuse or their you know activity abuse or whatever. Mm-hmm but had enough thought process in their talent that it kind of melded together. Hmm. Especially the ones who were like in the 
50s, 60s, 70s, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's using, but everybody's creative at the time, right? Yeah. So, so it, and everything was sort of like haphazard and whatnot, right? Hmm. Well, in the year 2000, things aren't haphazard anymore. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, you can't start your career as the sloppy drunk. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, competition's more, and and there's more stuff that you have to be on top of in order to make it. You have to be really fostering those connections and relationships and all those kind of things. You can't just get away with going up on a stage and being the only person with raw talent. There's so many people with raw talent out there that now you also have Mm -hmm. to have all the other pieces that go along with it and be be involved and then make those connections that it's a lot it's a lot harder. Yeah. Or, as I love to put it in, in terms of my project with Sober Divas, or not care and just sing yeah. and have a good time <laughs> and not worry about getting the stuff. That's, that, that's a big, you know, because yeah. after all, the, the goal is self-actualization, right? The, hmm. the goal is being all right with yourself. Like, yeah. uh, my, you know, the one person that I feel closest to uh, in terms of my recovery and in terms of my addiction is like Janice Joplin. Okay. You know, she's teased as a child. You know, she hates herself. I promise you, like all the letters that she wrote for the whole time that she was alive, she couldn't stand herself. Hmm. And she stumbled into this music thing because she loved it and it was in her soul and it was a great opportunity to get people to like her. Hmm. You know, like, like, and then, you know, her biggest thing that reminds me so much of myself is she goes back home, you know? Like, she's Janice Joplin. She's Pearl. She got her all stuff together. She's on this uh, this, uh, this TV show, and, she, and they're like, going to go back to your hometown, right? She goes, yeah, it's going to be great. She goes back, and all that shit comes back and hits her in the face. Mm. And because she has, she, you know, she fell into music. It's her dream and her spirit, but underneath that, she doesn't believe she's anything. But mm. they kick her off that square so fast. Like, they mm. just, you know, they don't care. They don't like her. Some people are jealous, and, they, and everybody treats her like mess, right? And then she, from that moment on, you can see the spiral go down. Mm. You know? So, like, <laughs> it all kind of comes together in the end. So, in my mind, like a sober diva is somebody who harnesses her talent, but knows, knows that she's cool regardless. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need the external you know, validation of what you're doing. You're just doing it almost just for yourself, and everybody else gets to experience it, and it makes it even more, not necessarily like pure, but like more just for yourself instead of doing it well, for somebody well, else. And, and sure. And, and sure, you can have aspirations and stuff. You know, that's, you know, that's up for you individually. But I think the basis for anything that comes after that is to, you know, not really give a fuck after a while. You know, just to be yeah. all right, you know. Um, and so that's why I want to put, you know, the girls who are there. Because had I had, like I said, had I had my, I, I had one good night at this place called the Five Spot. And I remember when a VH1 came in and, uh, and came and did a, 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 a one night stand with like all the big deal Neo Soul people. Hmm. And it only cost five dollars to get in, so we and my people, we didn't realize we were walking into a big deal. 
They just let everybody in, and VH1 happened to be there. You're 2000. Oh, my gosh, look at all these great people mm-hmm. up there, right? So the five spot is, is you know, everything. Um, and so, and like, oh, for instance, Jasmine Sullivan, she was like 15 years old. I saw her perform that night with her mom next to the stage, and she's a big deal now. <laughs> so there's an open mic there. I spent two years trying my hardest to get ready. Overshot my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got way too drunk, way too soon. Mm-hmm. Got my only one chance to get up there and train. And woo, but I, <laughs> I just, I didn't know and didn't care and didn't accept myself enough. Mm-hmm. Wherein, when I knew there was an opportunity for me to go up there and shine, because everybody was getting up to doing a good thing, at least got background, you know, stuff like that. Career started in some way. Yeah. I got up there and I overshot my shit because I was so scared. Yeah. You know, I was so down on myself. Uh, that I couldn't do anything about it. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is, like, the ministry of it, I guess you want to say, for me at at this point, is to let people know that you're worthy at this point and that whatever you want to do in your spirit, you can work on that. And, you know, however however that you put on your spirit, go ahead and, you know, do that, right? Get into it and know that it's going to be all right because you're all right if you make it. If you don't make it, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Releasing mm-hmm. that, that, that tension of needing to be perfect. Uh, that, that's like another thing that I had, like that constant sense of like, well, I have to put on this face. I have to put on this mask of perfection. Everything I do must be perfect. And just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. having to, to release some of that and just understand that not everything's going to be perfect all the time. There are going to be some rough spots and not to run away from them, not to hide from them, but embrace mm-hmm. the journey a little bit and, and take yeah. it as it comes and learn and be open to learning Absolutely. instead of just angry that something didn't work out right. So. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I had to work on that. I had to work on those resentments for a couple of years. Like, the reason I have that whole Philly story down is because my sponsor is sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I watch the night show, and I'm looking there, looking so. at, the, at the roots up there, <laughs> and for no, and for a little, you know, I know them, right? You know, I know them, right? And I'm like, no, she didn't. You, did. yeah. you kissed a random stranger, and, and literally, the way I I met Cut Club one day was I was at this club called Fluid. I was kissing a stranger, mm-hmm. and Quest Club. I remember Quest Club was next to me. He looked at me like I was crazy and got up. That is my Quest Club story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and how different it could be if you know if you were just taken aback and then yeah yeah that's wild it is what it is you know what I mean yep all part of the experience I got over that after a while but I told my father about that like once a year for like three years I mean it was a thing yeah, yeah, I know. It, and you, in your mind, you keep going back to it. You keep going back to it. It's part of the the mindset is that you want to replay and then see what you could do differently and all those kind of things. But um, so, so you talk about your your big time twelve stepper. What what other things in the twelve step community have have helped you grow? You think? Um, well, I have a group that's the Saturday morning morning women's group at the Alamo Club in Ann Arbor, and. 
there are a group of ladies there who uh, now one of them has 50 years sober, um, but they are all in the, the people who founded this organization that I'm a member of. Um, they were all this Saturday morning women's group, and they have founded this group called the Ann Arbor Women's Group, right? So some of the ladies who were, in, who were at that meeting started uh, putting together retreats just to hang out with each other and do some cool recovery um, uh, lessons and things of that nature. Some of them, these ladies were, you know, the, the uh, beautiful women, uh, older women, stately and regal-looking women, where if you heard their story, <laughs> you would lose it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I couldn't have hung out with them back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Ooh. And, um, but there are these mothers, and there are these professors, and there are counselors, and uh, nurses and doctors and all that. But I was able to sit with them on Saturday mornings and get what, you know, and really get a good meeting and things together. So um, after they started working in this organization, I started going through the retreat with them. And they became a really big part of my uh, support system of recovery. A good set of really good women in recovery that kept me sane a lot of the time as I moved forward. Hmm. Um, because uh, and I, you said you, you know, I, I don't know your complete story, but my story, I don't, I didn't look like a lot of the people that I was in some of the meetings with. Mm. In terms of, I didn't use drugs, and I didn't get, I didn't get uh, uh, arrested and all that stuff like that. Mm. So part of me didn't believe that I was, you know, that I was good enough because I was in my low self esteem, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> You get the old head, and ah, you you haven't done enough, you know, and I, you wasted more than I drank, you know, that all mm-hmm. crazy stuff like that, right? Or you can't sell your body for crack, and I'm like, okay, so am I not, you know, yeah. do I not need to be sober because of that? So finding a group of people with whom you have a common bond mm. in ways that aren't just based on the fact that they were alive, it's a big deal. Yeah. Because... <laughs> You know, I was able, my sponsor was a person, I, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a heavy set African American woman, and I, you know, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. My sponsor is, is a six foot two ex ballerina who worked on political campaigns and is a CEO, oh, no, no, executive director of a nonprofit. Huh. And when I first met her, I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> anyway. And then she told me her story, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. They've been able to talk to me about the story that is like mine, not to disintegrate my connection to the general recovery, no. But, and that's part of the sober thing as well, get with women who understand what you're trying to do or who you are, right? Yeah. So that you're not always feeling less than. So you, can be, you know, it's like a... Which I love saying there's like the sober bikers now and there's sober fishermen and the mm-hmm. sober writers and all that. That part of that I believe is because that is a way for you to be able to talk to what is going on with you that is particular to you. So yeah. in the Ann Arbor Women's Group is a group I've been a member of since its founding at its senior anniversary this year. And we do a retreat now every year uh, in August three days and it is life. I mean, like it is life to me. Uh, and we, you know, and say so when I had 
uh, death in my family. My father had like three people pass last year. And so uh, when that happened, I called one of uh, my supports. She was now an author. She's so cool. And she had like a, a, like 20, she might have 30 years old at this point, I think. Hmm. But she goes through what she goes through, yeah. you know, and she's honest about that. And so I called her and let her know I had, they had put me on the board of the Anna Woman Group <laughs> last year. And my, then the third, no, the second out of three people died in my life. Wow. And I called her and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm about to lose my mind. I think I'm about to lose my mind. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this board thing because I'm going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And she did more than just say, okay, and take my name off the website. She warned me about what was going to happen yeah. because her father had died the year before and she knew how what that was about. Yeah. Yeah, she'd seen it, um, she'd so, experienced it, and she can she can attest, and she knows that emotion and knows where it can lead. Right. So having somebody in that power, that really helps, yeah. Exactly. And she stayed sober, and she was sober at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't crush her. And to be quite honest, like, I, um, the Sober Diva movement was founded on, literally on December 15th, 2015. And the reason it was, and this is the bigger, the bigger thing for me, because, you you know, service work is wonderful a lot of times because it helps you, right? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, we all know that it's not good to not acknowledge your self-centeredness in some ways. You know, you don't do things that don't benefit you at all. Right. Um, so me, I was starting to go down the drain. I wasn't using... But I was going down the drain. I was isolating more and more after my mm-hmm. father passed and then my auntie passed. It was bad. Um, and they had warned me about it, you know? So they kept in touch with me somewhat. And I started putting stuff up on Instagram. This is literally how it turned into this iteration of service work. I was in my house. I was looking for a new job because I'm a consultant, so whatever, you know, it's like, you know, one job ends, you got to start to find another one. And mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, in a bad way, a spiral. And mm-hmm. um, I was on Instagram, and I said, well, you know, you're supposed to help others. You're not supposed to help others. So I put up some an affirmation or two with them on that or put up some pictures of something I saw. Or, and somebody was like, oh, yeah. You know, and they, they uh, uh, identified and all that stuff like that. And it started to lift me up out of my depression, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Around, then I said, okay, you know what? So December 15th, I officially launched it, which basically was starting December 15th, I started uh, putting up affirmations okay. every day. Hmm. So that I could stand in the mirror to myself, and then I just started saying, hey, ladies, put it up you know, there for yourself, because I know these work, and they're going to help me get up out of this switch. <laughs> and so... It started to go from there, and then all the ideas I had already had hmm. about helping women in recovery got moved into that. And, it was, you know, it was just, it, that was part of the, that was a bad thing. It just took time because it all came together at the right time. Yeah, yeah, you had it already kind of simmering in there, and you were just, you needed an outlet. You needed the right place to to channel it into. Uh, that's exactly. kind of, that, that's basically how I started up the, the Sober Ventures community is, I I had been sober almost a year. I started going on Instagram a little more and just like seeing what was out there, like just searching for the hashtag sober and all that kind of stuff. And like just seeing all these different quotes and seeing all these just people posting about what their life was like in sobriety. And I'm like, I, uh-huh. I, so I created an, 
an Instagram page just for me to just follow those along and then like post things that I came up with and listening to the different podcasts that I listened to. And that first just kind of, for me is like something to to do. Cause I was realizing in, in the rest of my life over the previous year that I had become more productive. I started mm-hmm. being more entrepreneurial in, in my endeavors. I, I, I started working a nine to five, um, just before I got sober, um, because I was getting married planning to start a family. Mm-hmm. So I needed all the benefits of all that. Um, and so I kind of just ignored my, my entrepreneurial, like previous 10 years of everything. And then I noticed once I got sober, I had all this extra, just brain power running in the background, uh, that, yep. that needed something to, to do with it. So I started listening to all these podcasts. I started kind of thinking about what other businesses I could create. And then when I got on Instagram and saw all these different companies that are based in recovery and recovery advocacy and, and like t-shirt companies that are promoting like wearing recovery on yourself. So the world mm-hmm. can see and just seeing all, how many people there were out there and that there wasn't necessarily like a, a common community for them to, to share their stories and share their voice. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I can, that, that can be my way of keeping in touch with my own recovery and since I'm not part of any like 12 step community, that can be my way of keeping myself accountable and keeping myself in touch and, and hearing mm-hmm. how everything has worked for, for other people and absorb those lessons and start to practice them myself and then share them with more and just let the snowball keep kind of taking its just collecting and getting into a bigger thing. So more people can see that that's, possible it's something that can be done because i had no idea that like if you stopped drinking you'd be more productive in life how it didn't dawn on me in like 12 years since i got out of college just i I had never thought of that so now yeah who would have have thought that like drinking was actually holding me back from something i thought that was the only thing there was that was good that was the only way to spend any night so once, Absolutely. once I got out of that and saw there's a community and I, that's how I started. I was just on Instagram and then started, started building a little Facebook page and a website from there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. On, on Instagram, it's such a huge community and that's pretty much everybody I've interviewed so far has been Instagram community members and influencers that are spreading their message because that's, that's where I got my start in doing this was because of following people like you. And, and so I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing. And I I love what you're doing because I know like I happen to be in digital marketing as you know, that's my foundation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, I know how to do it for kind of, you know, it's a little bit different in the recovery situation and i've been in it for like 25 years yeah. so i am old my um, uh, my last uh consulting uh i was my first job uh, uh building mobile apps okay. and i had to admit that i didn't know what i was doing because i'm a web application de- designer mm. i'm not a mobile app designer, <laughs> and there's a difference Oh yeah, just, it's a whole different language. Different. It's a whole different interface, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, you know what? It was a last straw. God was like, "She, but you know, you're supposed to be doing recovery 100 percent of the time, right? You, mm. you realize that's what you're supposed to be doing." <laughs> and I'm like, "Nope." I mean, I'm making, I, you know, I was making 
excellent money right before I left IT permanently. Mm-hmm. And, ooh, oh, the difference is amazing in terms of uh, money. But it's also wonderful because you know you're doing something that will actually be of assistance, be of service. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't have – and I know – what I know about my recovery, and and I do realize now that I should have been in this type of profession when I was in high school, and you know I should have this is the way I should have gone. I'm more you know intuitive in that way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I was not I was not ready. I I uh, yep. uh, I had to be honest with myself and understand that it was time for me to go go this way. Not to God go that way because I was embarrassing myself. And it's not a good idea for a person with my self-esteem issue to embarrass myself on a daily basis mm-hmm. with what I don't know legitimately. Yeah. Like, this is a body threatening. <laughs> when you go to work every day and you don't know what you're doing, it's a body threatening like a big dog. Like, it's bad. So... Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, I'm ha- so happy that there's an outlet, that you're providing this outlet in order for people like me and people like, you know, other people who are starting to delicate, dedicate themselves to recovery as their career, right, mm-hmm. to get the, get the information. Because, you know, you were asking, I know one of the questions that was about, like, what things I read or do in order to, you mm-hmm. know, make this thing happen, make this OBD was happening. And you know, I already knew how to develop uh, uh, digital assets as they were posts and things of that nature, and I'm not a white for web and all that stuff like that. So I have made and people giggle, but I've done the entire sober diva movement on my iPhone set. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's all the sober divas and who's your this and who's I'm like no 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 uh, every day. I go on my iPhone 7, and I open up my iPhone 7 app, you know, the apps that mm-hmm. make all the different assets and cut videos and do all that stuff on my iPhone 7 and put it directly up online. Like, that's literally what I do. Yep. And and so then at some point I am going to put up a post about the suite of things I use because people don't believe me because, you know, I make all the videos and cut everything on my iPhone um, and... And it makes it so that I don't have to do, you know, I, I can be on a plane, I can be anywhere on earth. Yeah. And my and my posts are daily relevant, you know. And, you know, well, you're in web business now. You totally dig, right, the fact that you, in order to keep your membership up and in order to increase your membership, you have to have relevant posts yep. for the day, right? Yeah. So now that I know how, you know, I have all these apps on my phone, and because that's my, you know, my background, I can go ahead and learn real, real quick. Mm-hmm. So, like today, I saw the uh, article that Gucci Mane has uh, got two years kicked off his probation. <laughs> I think he's been doing so well, right? <laughs> Since he got out, but they kicked two years off his probation. He's done on the nineteenth. I said, "Go!" Right? I just saw the article. So I went on my phone, opened up a few apps set up some pictures on there on the on the phone and put it up. And that's relevant for today. Mm-hmm. And I'll get a bunch of hits for that today rather than having to go home, you oh, know, open up the computer, you know, yeah. read a bunch of stuff. Yeah, uh, I got your Instagram you know, open up here and like all of your posts are you you wouldn't guess that it's just all something you can do right in the palm of your hand with the technology that's available to everyone. 
uh, with like all the different images yeah. and overlays and you have videos and all the different quotes that they all look so well polished and it looks like Photoshop and, and everybody, it's easy for other people to just like, you know, have, have an excuse. Well, I, I can't do what this person does because I don't have that technology. I don't have this. And like, you're, you're a great example that there's, there, there's no reason to have an excuse when there isn't one. Like, you can find well, exactly. a way to do it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, 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 you know, and, and that's why I was saying earlier when we were talking about, like, the launch, you know, when I was talking about the launch and whatnot, I'm being completely realistic with myself in terms of what I'm going to do and how much time I'm going to take to do it. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to, to my recovery at this point, because I have overloaded myself on a regular basis before. Yeah. I am ADHD, so I have, like, I want to have 15 irons in the fire. Yeah. And I'm most, I'm most recovery-focused when I decide to let go of a bunch of stuff mm. and concentrate on what I'm going to concentrate on. Yeah. So after my, uh, well, actually, the woman's retreat was in August. Early August, I had a nice little breakdown there at the retreat, which is cool to have a breakdown mm-hmm. in the middle of your recovery because it happened. At, and how many years do you have sober? Uh, I have about Hello? almost two years now. Okay. So, like, in your experience, it's like every few years. And, and, and I, okay, every few years, I have, like, this, you know, you think you uh, peel the onion, you have mm-hmm. a layer. Yeah. I have, and a bunch of people I know are recovery, and I have a lot of those, like, moments when you're down at the bottom of this recovery and you need to get to the next level. You know, you feel like you're at the bottom, but what you're doing is getting to the next level of your recovery. Mm. And so, for me, this year was me saying, and my last ditch effort to be a non-recovery career person. Go back in the IT, make yourself some money. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm now doing Sober Diva. So every day, the thing that I was accountable for and made sure I did every day was Sober Diva movement stuff. Uh, get up in the morning, put up the affirmation. It makes me say them, which is great. Yeah. You know, put up posts about recovery during the day. Great. In the evening, put up a prayer. Great. Now, I, that's me, you know, and in terms of step work, that's like me doing a 10th step and me doing a third step every day, right? Prayer and all what's that. Hmm. That's what I have been accountable for the entire time. And I'm like, intuitively, I'm better at working with people in recovery. I do work in treatment centers and um, dual diagnosis and things of that nature. So I'm, you know, helping people who are, who uh, are in early recovery or who are uh, seriously mentally ill in terms of, with their, uh, their addiction as well to get into recovery. So that's what I do at my job now. Okay. But that is because I went to my retreat, broke, smoothed down, and realized that the only stuff that I really wanted to do and kept me really where I needed to be in my spirit was recovery stuff. Hmm. Like, I, yeah. I know, I'm okay. I will not be fly like I like my old self believes I needed to be because I used to make a lot of money and I had gotten back to make a lot of money again and I was miserable in that place. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take a huge pay cut, but I tell you what, this has been a wonderful time since then. Like like I still have a place to stay. I still have my house, I still have my car, all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And now I can 
it's not just about me being accountable for those things. I wake up, I am, I'm a sober demon. It's so weird. Yeah. But I, <laughs> it's really weird though. But it is amazing. Like letting go of all that other BS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my first uh, uh, recovery uh, month uh, 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 seminar, right, at a church last Sunday. Okay. And like, uh, we did like a two hour seminar. We did, uh, I, I, uh, I was at church for a while. We, uh, I spoke and did a small, uh, high level open talk type of deal during service. And, uh, and I sang, of course, because that kind of goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after church, everybody goes downstairs. We had like a two hour seminar on how this church could incorporate recovery into it, the neighborhood. Because, you know, they're a really wonderful church in the middle of a really bad neighborhood. Mm. And so I went through all the regular stuff about my story and all the information about recovery and addiction that a lot of lay people don't know. And then after that, the, the pastor and them started asking me questions about how they can incorporate recovery into, you know, their church and over to the neighborhood. So, yeah. like, I was a sober diva last Sunday, and I came home and was like, I was a sober diva all day. Like, it was a thing. Like, yeah, and like, then you're, like, recharged <laughs> from it. Like, like other jobs, you might be drained at the end of the day. Like, I did so much today, all right, I'm just exhausted. But when you're doing what you love and what you have a passion about doing, you, you end the day, like, energized and looking forward to the next day. It was day. wonderful. Right. It was wonderful. Now, I used to do that when I first got sober, like, in my tradition, you know, in the 12 step tradition, I was on, like, three meetings a day in the first, in the beginning, mm-hmm. then two, then one meeting a day, and then I was going um, every, I was doing service work on Sundays and going to detox center and, and, and leading a group, and then when I started, you know, doing, like, part-time work in recovery, I was having these little bursts, you know, of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're not, it's not all happy. It's mostly, like, dragging people, kicking and screaming. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, but I'm good at that, right? At this point, I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. But, like, these last month or so, I have been, like, bringing all the checks based on being sober. There you go. Going to work, doing work at work, not stressed out about it because, not you know, not because it's easy. No, not at all. But because I know what I'm doing, yeah. and I'm, and, and you know, and I can step up, say, step back and pray on it and come back in. You know, I can do those things. And so, yeah, the Sunday was amazing. You know, I'm in the bulletin at the church as the sober diva, and I'm like, I am. You're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, it's happening. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. So, like, yeah, that's why I said I love the fact that you're doing it like sober ventures in terms of like, look, y'all, you can actually make your entire career associated with recovery. Yeah. Without like being a lobbyist or or working for Hazelton or you know what I mean or you know like you could actually find a bunch of different ways to have a recovery based career. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so there's such a a large community out there of of people that are in sobriety and that that are just starting to get in touch. And now, like with the internet, you can like find groups dedicated to it. There's podcasts. There's there's meetups. There's clothing companies. There's mm-hmm. um, like recovery advocacy. There's counseling, recovery counseling. There there's so many different mm-hmm. ways that you can help other people as a part of your life and it's not necessarily 
easy. Uh, very no. few things in life are. But when you find it, right. and if it helps you and helps other people, then then it's it's a worthwhile passion. I mean, this isn't my full time job at all. It's <laughs> it's a, a side thing that I know uh-huh. will help people kind of you know get in touch with that that ability to do something on the side that. That, that's productive because yeah. all, all well, my yeah, and side and time like, was all yeah. spent drinking and doing other stuff. And now I'm like, well, what do I do with my side time besides like watch TV, relax, like do that kind of stuff? What do you do uh-huh. with the rest of those hours besides you, you learn more stuff and, and you see how you can help other people. And, and this, oh, is, yeah, absolutely. this has been great for me to, to meet people like you and then see how you're doing it in, in your part of the world and, and, just, just hear hear that story. It, it's fantastic for yeah, me. People are gonna people yeah. are gonna really get blessed by this for real. Like, um, and, and let me be let me be clear. I have twelve years, so that means I already own my home. I work. <laughs> like I already own my own. I own my car. I don't have any kids. It's me and the sober diva cat. Whatever, we're good. So like, so like, you know, um, <laughs> I can take a fifty or sixty percent pay cut. And, you know, I can make that decision now. Rather, I could not do it in the first, say, 10 years of my, you know, yeah. right, you know, like, let's not dedicate yourself to recovery-based stuff if you can't, you know, eat. But make sure that you can, you know, you can eat, you take care of enough business, and now right. I can take the time to yeah. do it. But like I said, those ladies that I, the ladies that I talk to who are in the, and I have a women's group, they, like the one, one who's my biggest mentor there, she, she started, uh, she's now written her first, uh, uh, self-help book, recovery self-help book, and I'm going to put it on the site as soon as she's ready for me to. And so she has been sober 30-something years. So now, huh. you know, she's done a bunch of the other stuff, right? So yeah. now she can do that. Or my best my best lady, Sue, who, like, she retired, and she did her first ma- marathon after she retired, dude. Like, she did <laughs> everyone on earth that I can think of. And wow. she worked her behind off. She stayed sober during it, and now she's, you know, she's able to dedicate her life to that stuff. And I know I have more time than a few people, but not more time than a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in that middle ground, and I really want to highlight women who are in that, who are, who are further along than I, and let people know that you can actually do that stuff that you want. Like, get your secure, you know, get, make sure you get your recovery secure. Yeah. You know, and keep it secure. And have a place to go when you're about to lose it, which, like I said, I, I found a place I can go when I'm about to lose it. Yeah. But after that, you can really start living in the solution, like actually living in the solution. Right. Weird. It's only great. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, I had a horrible, had a horrible seven years, and now I work based on that horrible seven years. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> well, you see, you, 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 you experience it yourself, and you don't want other people to end up being through those years for 10 or 15 or 20 years. If, if you can help them nah. see that there's a better way to live the, the kind of joy and the happiness that you're able to experience now, you want to be able to share it. And, and it's, it's great that you're, you're getting out there in the community. You're, you're being vocal about it and, and you're bringing more and more people into to your community. So I, I'm, I'm happy to have gotten to talk to you um, as kind of, like a, a wrapping up, like what kind of advice would you give to like somebody maybe they're just starting starting out in their sobriety? Maybe they have like a little bit extra time. They're thinking about how, how would you advise them to like kind of rediscover maybe their passion or something that they might be able to turn into their own kind of sober venture, so to speak. Okay. 
Sure. Now, and I mean, I work as a uh, as a uh, addiction counselor or getting close. You know, I'm getting licensure and certification and whatnot. But when I work with people who are in treatment, I ask them what they first. I ask them what they wanted to do when they were 12. Hmm. You know, um, and if the trauma didn't start then, but you know what I mean. When yeah. Everything when they closed their eyes and looked at their talents and looked at who they were as a person before anybody told them what they couldn't do. Hmm. Like, what did you want to do? And if you have free time, start just doing it. Uh, my sponsor, my sponsor, besides doing all the other cool stuff, she played her, her sponsor, made her play the accordion. <laughs> now, it's so weird. <laughs> so she, at first of her early recovery process, my, my grand sponsor told my sponsor to, she, to learn the thing. Like, she had to learn the thing. Because you like all mm. the boredom kills, you know, boredom, oh, my God. Yeah. Because up until then, you're busy trying to get high or drunk or, or recuperating or whatever, right? So she had to learn how to do a thing she'd never done before. So she made her learn the accordion. And it's really hard to learn the accordion. Like, it takes all your concentration. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> you're using every part of your body. <laughs> you know. And so, so in the middle of that, she learned how, and then she started playing bass. So my okay. sponsor is like uh, executive director of a nonprofit. Like she dances, like she does, she does a yoga instructor, and she plays bass in the band now. Hmm. <laughs> so what I suggest people do in those hours when they're not in a meeting or they're not at work or hanging out with people, like in the beginning, look, first 90 days, I don't want to do nothing else to do recovery. Let me be honest. Mm. For a long walk, I am a straight, I'm a thumper in some ways. Not necessarily yeah. AA, not necessarily 12 step all the way through because I do believe in multiple paths. But I'm like, work, look, if you can't go a day without thinking about drinking, don't worry about running in court. And that's not <laughs> you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but if you have some free time on your hands, it, is, it takes no time at all and no sweat off your back. To try doing the thing you always wanted to do. Awesome. What you know, whatever that was. Like if you, if you always want to paint, grab some paint. Like whatever it was that you told yourself you always wanted to do. You know, talk to the people. You know, talk to your people around you. Make sure you don't. You know, wasn't like <laughs> I always wanted to be a bartender. Like not. Yeah. That. <laughs> but it has happened, unfortunately. But um, you know, just, just hey, it's no big deal. It's no big deal to just do that thing you've always wanted to do. Just do it. Like, like, cause it's, cause it's not about you making a huge career. You're not trying to be Mary Jane. Yeah. You're trying to, you know, or, or, or poetry or writing. And now hopefully as time goes on, that's the end goal is to have these pages be a gallery of okay. all the work. And at, at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to build it to be a gallery of all the work that people are doing. Okay. In recovery in those areas. So I'm going to eventually switch to having as not as many celebrity situations, mm -hmm. but local, exchange those profiles for local people right and on. all over the country. So, awesome. old girl doing painting, you know, like, like yeah. gathering those women up and have, and at the end of the day, I wanted to convert the page to that, where people who are doing cool things at whatever level they are are doing them. So, like, my position would be, just do it. Like, like it's so funny that we, you know, we overthink mm -hmm. everything. Yep. So if you know you sit at the house, what you said, you know, you were sitting at the house and you're like, you just start on Instagram, you start looking some stuff up. It, 
You know, if you're looking at television and you say, you know, I really want to write something down, write something down. Yeah. But, you know, I, I had that guitar. Everybody has a guitar, you know, something yep. in the back. Yeah, you always have you something that you liked when you were 12. There's something that you that you enjoyed doing. For me, I, I actually liked learning how to play with HTML and, like, build a little website for myself on GeoCities back in 96 or whatever. And yes, GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm Okay. No, I said absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I mm-hmm. started off with that, and then I did a little bit in high school, and then I kind of forgot about it. I would do a little bit here and there with the website, but now in sobriety, I was like, oh, let me, what does HTML do nowadays? And then I learned CSS, and I learned JavaScript, and now I'm, like, learning SQL and, like, database programming. And, and by I'm like, the by, I- it just, yeah. it's contagious. Once you, like, start, like, learning and exercising that muscle again, you start to, like, yeah. rediscover not only, like, what you enjoyed back at that time, but what you can do with that now. Because anything uh-huh. that you're involved with or you enjoyed doing back when you were 12, it's evolved probably since then. If you liked playing accordion, Absolutely. like, she started with accordion, then she gets into bass. Then she gets, you, you evolve right. into more things because... Your your brain has grown since you were twelve, and if you liked it then, you'll probably like it now even more. And so I think. Oh, that's, and by the that's way, your, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I was about to let you know. I have been looking over your stuff. You are really good. Cause you know that's my old life. So I want when I um <laughs> when, when I signed up and the email shot over to me, I was like, okay, now and like I got another email later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, your stuff flows very well. Yeah. Your huh? digital communication flows through very well, just to let you know. Ah, thank you, like, thank that, you. You know, a lot of the other organizations, that's why I take my time, because I, I don't want it to be perfect. I just don't want to do things like five times. Yeah. And so I'm taking I'm taking my time so that I don't get mad at myself, right? Yeah. But I was, I was checking this stuff out. Like, I was like, you know what? Uh, you had your bios all the way through. I was like, okay. <laughs> digital communication is on board. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning. And and that's that's the great thing about it. I, I can learn. I see what other people do on their sites. I see how other, other podcasters have their form flow and how their interviews are set up and how all that kind of works out. And and that's the great thing about this project for me. I started off on Instagram like, okay, let me just post a few things. And I see how other people do it. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Let me learn more about that. And then same with the website. Uh-huh. I start to learn. And it's it's fun. And what you learn, you're able to share with others and help them learn in their own way. And it's you can just do so much more when, when you're open to learning and to sharing it with others. And, and that's why this, this has been so great for me to get to... To talk to with you, to talk with the other people I've gotten to interview so far, because every time I walk away from the mic, I'm I'm more energized. I'm more. I spent a whole day at work already. I spent eight hours, eight and a half hours at work, and then I come back to this, and I'm like, all right, now now what do I do now? Yeah. Now, now what's the rest of my well, night hey, like? Yeah. <laughs> so instead well, of being like all drowned down yeah. and just like, oh well, at least I got uh-huh. through another day. This gives me something to look forward to. So, just like you said, uh-huh. for for anybody listening, any anything that can ignite that kind of passion in you anything that can make you feel kind of like a kid again and that learning mindset and and having fun whatever that might be for you try it out let us know share messages with sheba and and as you grow her whole mission is to share stories like yours and what you're able to create and and what you found your passion doing and that's my passion too sharing it 
as you make it into an entrepreneurial venture, even if it's just something fun that you enjoy. Venture is yeah. a very open word. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, indeed. Well, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful, and I yeah appreciate definitely appreciate uh, 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 that you asked. You know that that I was able to sign up to do it and everything like that. I really appreciate appreciate your platform. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Sheba. It's been great talking to you. Um, so I, I know you have uh, your website. The it's at thesoberdivas.com, yep. uh, which right now just uh-huh. forwards to your Instagram page. But is there any way else that you'd like people to find you online? Uh, uh, I have a Facebook page. My as uh, at the sober divas uh, Instagram as well at sober divas. Any platform over time at the growth will be at the sober divas. Whatever the uh, whatever the social media platform is, or Sheba underscore P at thesoberdivas.com. Um, most importantly, uh, and, and I, and I love, I love the guys and the men, the divas love, but ladies, uh, if you have a, if you have a milestone coming up in your sobriety, or if you have a talent that you want to, uh, put up, I'm going to be putting up that platform through the rest of this year. I'm giving myself to the end of September to put the platform up so you can start uh, sending me uh, your talent, and we're going to do it correctly for copywriting and all that. Um, but please, Sheba underscore P at thesoberdivas.com, and I'm going to start you know, um, highlighting local Sober Divas uh, putting up their talent. So that's it. Awesome. Well, Sheba, thank you very much for speaking with us, and, and we look forward to seeing as everything grows. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Sober Ventures. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast player so you can get the next one delivered straight to you as soon as it's released. And if you want to help spread the word, leave a rating and review on iTunes to help us increase our reach and our ability to be found when someone is searching for us. I look forward to being of service as this podcast and community grows, so if you have any questions or thoughts on how I can make this better or more helpful, email me anytime at SoberVentures at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you join me again next time on Sober Ventures.